Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the stones in the Jordan River as we pick up in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And let your memorials be memorials that will allow you the opportunity to share the work of God and the power of God. It is marvelous that we remember what God has done. But it is also important that we relate to our children who did not have the privilege of seeing that work that we saw the work that God has wrought by his Holy Spirit. So these stones were to create questions in the minds of the children to give them the opportunity to share with their children the glorious power of God. So Joshua, verse 9, set up the 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. They're there unto this day. Now, it'd be fun. They set up two memorials. They took stones and set them in a pile in the Jordan River, and then they also set a pile up on a bank. It'd be fun to get some scuba gear. It says they were there till that day to see if the stones were still there in the Jordan River that Joshua set up. Now, the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan till everyone was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak to the people, All that Moses commanded Joshua, the people hasted and passed over. And so it came to pass when the people were clean passed over. The ark of the Lord passed over the priests in the presence of the people, all the children of Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, about 40,000 of those from those two and a half tribes prepared for war. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. They feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spoken to Joshua, saying, Command the priest that they bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. And so he commanded them to come up out of Jordan. And when they were come up from the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up to the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and overflowed their banks as they did before. And the people came out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. They encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And so uh, it is actually just four days prior to the Feast of Passover. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan, Joshua pitched in Gilgal, and he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children will ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. So the memorial by which they could share with their children the work of God. Now, in chapter 5, we read where all of the adult males were at this point circumcised. It was a rite that they did not follow while they were in the wilderness. So that those who were born in the wilderness, now were men, did not go through the rite of circumcision. But now that they are to enter into the land, The circumcision was always a type of the cutting away of a heart after the flesh. 
God wanted a people whose heart was after the Spirit. And so it was a symbolic act. And God said, circumcise your hearts. In other words, cut away from your heart that longing or desiring after the flesh. And Paul in the book of Romans speaks of the error of the Jews in observing a right without the reality. And though they had gone through the rite of circumcision, yet their hearts were after fleshly things. And thus there was an inconsistency there. And now that they're going to enter into this new relationship with God coming into the land, because it is to typify a new relation after the Spirit, which is that new relationship that God wants to bring you into. A life of victory over the flesh. So it was necessary that they go through the rite of circumcision and all of the adult males be circumcised in order that they might cut away the flesh and thus signify the fact that they were going to walk after the Spirit and a heart after God. And so... As I said, it was not done in the wilderness, and so it was done after they entered into the land. The first thing was this uh, circumcision in order that they might again declare themselves a people unto God to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And so God said, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal, which means a rolling, because God there rolled away the reproach of Egypt, which is a type of the flesh and the life after the flesh. Uh, they long for the flesh pots of Egypt. And Egypt always is symbolic of, of living after the flesh and lusting after the flesh. And so the children of Israel encamped there in Gilgal. They kept the Passover from the 14th day of the month even uh, at even in the plains of Jericho. So this is the first Passover in the promised land. They came in just four days beforehand, circumcised themselves, and now are beginning this new relationship with God, observing the Passover now in the new land. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, the unleavened cakes, the parched corn, the selfsame day, and the manna ceased... On the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So again, coming in now to a, a, a new diet. <laughs> the life of the Spirit is a life of variety. It's a life of excitement. It really is thrilling to walk after the Spirit and live after the Spirit. You never know what God has planned for you today. It's just an exciting life, a life of variety. I never lack for excitement. Walking after the Spirit is the most exciting experience in the world. And so they are leaving now, the old manna, that monotonous kind of a diet and now going to begin to eat of the fruits of the land that God had promised as they come in now to the land of Canaan. 
I love verse 13 through 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? And he said, Not for your enemies, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Here Joshua met Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, the captain of the Lord's host. You see, if it were an angel, then he would have refused his worship. John, several times in the book of Revelation, tried to worship the angel. And he said, stand up, worship the Lord. The Lord said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Therefore, the captain of the Lord's host is none other than Jesus who is standing there ready to lead him into the land of promise. As the captain of the Lord's host have I come. And Joshua fell on his knees, on his face, and said, What do you want me to do, Lord? Much like Paul the Apostle. Lord, what will you have me to do? Now, here is a true picture of leadership. The finest leader is the man who is led. The finest ruler is a man who is ruled. God chose Joshua for a leader to rule over the people of Israel because Joshua was ruled over by the Lord proper chain of command. And no man is fit to rule who is not ruled. That's the tragedy of history where we have had despots upon the throne. These autocratic, despotic rulers who did not feel a responsibility to anybody else but became the final authority within themselves, they became tyrants. And the people always suffer under the rule of such people. But those who have a consciousness of the fact that they are ruled, those who have submitted themselves to his throne are able to reign upon their thrones. But you've got to have that chain of command. When the centurion came to Jesus and thought that Jesus would heal his daughter who was very sick, Jesus said, I will come to your house. He said, oh, no, Lord. That isn't necessary. I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. For you see, I understand authority. I also am a man of authority, having under me men. 
I am also a man, he said, under authority, having under me men. He sees the chain. I'm a man who is under authority, but I have under me men. He recognized the position of Jesus. Having submitted to the Father, a man under authority, yet having authority himself. So I can say to one man, do this and he'll do it. To another, do that and he does it. I have authority, but I am under authority. And I know that you have authority and all you have to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. I said, all right, that's far out. I haven't seen this kind of faith among the Israelites. A man who recognized what true authority is. Oh, that we would realize that we don't have any right to rule unless we ourselves are ruled. And so Joshua, the leader over the people and yet being led, what do you want me to do, Lord? The real heart of the servant. And so the Lord <laughs> didn't have much for him to do. Just take your shoes off. The ground where you're standing is holy. So much as the Lord spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, the command to remove his sandals, so also to Joshua. So as the captain of the Lord's host, to lead the people of God into the conquest of the land, and so in chapter 6, we begin the conquering of the land. And the method by which they took Jericho was very fascinating indeed. The Lord said to Joshua, I have given to you the city of Jericho, its king, and its mighty men. Now you're to encircle the city, all of your men of war, and you're to walk around the city once and you're to do this for six days. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And on the seventh day ye shall circle the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it will come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And so Joshua called the priest, told him to take the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Pass on and encircle the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And so it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And Joshua commanded the people, you're not to shout or make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I bid you to shout, then shout. So I can imagine that those who were in the city of Jericho began to get a little quizzical after a few days. Here is this army that is coming to take their city. And here are seven guys going around with these ram horns, blowing on these horns, and behind it, these other fellows who are carrying this box between the staves, and then all of the army just walking around, not saying a word, and then going back home. And every day, here these guys are out there, traipsing around for six days. 
And then the seventh day, back again early in the morning, woke us up this morning. And after the seventh time around on the seventh day, then the long blast with the trumpets and the people began to shout, and as they did, the walls of Jericho fell. Now, this is a very unlikely story, but it's true. And you should have no problem with it if your God is big enough. So God brought down the walls of Jericho, and the city was taken by Joshua and the children of Israel. Now, they were commanded that they were not to take any of the spoil of Jericho to themselves. This is the first city in the land that they are conquering. Any gold or silver or brass or iron that is there is given unto the Lord. It goes into the Lord's treasury. This is the first fruits. The first fruit always belongs to God. And so they weren't to take any treasures of the city to themselves. And so the walls fell. The city was conquered. And Joshua, there in verse 26, pronounced an interesting prophecy and curse. Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son he will set up the gates of it. Now, how did Joshua know that? It didn't happen for several hundred years but you will read in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter and the 34th verse, where the king decided to rebuild the city of Jericho, and they started building it in the time of his firstborn son. And then when his youngest son was born, they set the gates of the city of Jericho. And the prophecy here of Joshua was literally fulfilled. And the man was cursed also, so the whole prophecy was fulfilled. Now, in chapter 7, we read that the children of Israel committed a trespass against the Lord in the holy things, or in the cursed things, rather. For Achan took of the accursed thing, that is, he took some of the spoil that they, were, that they said was to go only to God, and he took it for himself. And God's anger was kindled against the children of Israel. So Moses sent some men up to look over Bethel and Ai. Now Jordan is down in the plains. Jericho is down in the plains of Jordan. And it's quite a climb up the valley from Jericho to Bethel and Ai. Actually, when you're in Jericho, you're about 1,200 feet below sea level. When you get up to Bethel, you're about, oh, 2,800 feet above sea level. And there is this valley that goes up, a very beautiful valley, that goes up from Jericho up to Bethel. 
It was the natural route. And so the men went up and they looked at Ai and they came back to Joshua and they said, Joshua, there's no need of sending the whole army. Just give us two or 3,000 men and we'll take Ai. So Joshua sent a regiment up to take the city of Ai. And the men of Ai came out against them. And they began to flee, and the men of Ai pursued them, and 36 of them were slain. And they came running back to camp. And Joshua fell on his face before the Lord, down in verse 7. And he prayed, tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face. And Joshua said, alas, and that's a term that means we've had it kind of a thing, you know. Alas, O Lord, why have you brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and we had stayed on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 3-7 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, give you a beautiful week. May you be filled with the power of His Holy Spirit. And may you indeed walk in love, that kind of love that comes from God, that overcomes every obstacle and barrier that is built up against it. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Guess what? I just got a new book by Pastor Chuck Smith. What? Pastor Chuck doesn't write books for kids, just big people. Yeah, he does. Hey, I heard about that too. My mom told me about it. It's called The Story of Noah. And not only that, Pastor Chuck even read it to me. 
Pastor Chuck read you the book? Yep, and he can read it to you too. The Story of Noah is the first of four children's books Pastor Chuck has written for kids three years of age and up. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless Bible stories filled with exciting facts and practical application for kids taught by Pastor Chuck. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of Noah so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the story of Noah, also now available as an iBook digital download, you can visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. Again, the number to call 1-800-272-WORD.